God bless you for being out, though, on the first day of the year. As Pastor Fred's mentioned, this is the first day of the week. It is the first day of the year. We've taken an offering. Give God the first fruits. How many know we need to put Jesus Christ first in a world that is trying to remove him? But uh, thank God for people who would come to worship him on the Sunday morning. Today in a Bible, Philippians 2, if you would like to turn there. I'm going to uh, preach uh, for a few minutes this morning. And I'm going to dedicate this sermon to what I believe is the, going to be a theme right through 2023, an emphasis that I believe is so important. I'm going to begin, though, by bringing up an extremely sad tragedy that occurred on Boxing Day. If anybody here has ever the news, you did not miss this. And this was the absolute horrible calamity of the couple who uh, got up in North Lakes because their home was being broken into by some, by some invaders. It was some 17-year-old boys, I believe. And this married couple with two children began to defend their home. And as a consequence, they were both stabbed. And tragically, the mother uh, died as a consequence. Uh, the lady's name is Emma Lovell. How many know what a horrible thing to happen to you? I mean, that's horrible at any time, but what a tragedy. But the reason I want to bring that up is it highlights something that I want to address today, and that is the subject of selfishness. Because what those young people did was a pure act of selfishness. Here is a man who has lost his wife, children who have lost their mother, and they are basically innocent victims they didn't ask for this. They didn't invite this. The offenders were not known to them. These are just decent, hardworking, decent people that suffered at the hands of selfishness. Selfishness has settled over general society like a cloak. And I appreciate that we're in the first world here. But we would be naive as Christians to think that that doesn't affect us in the same way. That that cloak of selfishness, and I want to tell you there's a red flag. And that red flag is that Christianity has been bitten by the same serpent. That serpent of selfishness. And it's a little bit like the frog that slowly boils in the water. I'm sure you've heard that illustration countless times. You put a frog in water, you begin to boil it. The frog doesn't realize the water is getting hotter. It remains in the water till eventually the frog is boiled to death. What can happen to us is a very similar thing. Is that as we're living in a society where the selfishness is just continuing to increase, selfishness becomes the norm. Literally, the meaning of the word selfish is lacking consideration for other people concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. And I feel very challenged about this, that so we must counteract the formidable pervading influence of selfishness. It's already part of our basic sinful nature. The problem is it's becoming the norm for Christians. Entitlement, ambition, self-promotion, exploitation and without realizing it this can have an incredible impact upon Christianity but the reason why I've said all that I've said 
is to say this, is that I believe that people must remain our priority as Christians. And I want to project our theme for this year, and I've called this the People Project, and I'm going to maintain this theme right through 2023, because what you and I are involved in is about people. And this is a wonderful congregation. I boast often about our church to others, and I say, not because I pass the church, but I'm part of the church. But I love being part of this congregation. This is a unique, incredible congregation to belong to. But I want to tell you, we must never lose sight of that this is all about people. So Philippians 2, 3 to 4, I want to read these verses and then examine them a little more closely. And those of you who know me know that I've used these verses often and I've, in fact, have said countless times, I think they're probably a couple of the most convicting verses in all of the Bible. But I want these to be our priority as we work together in this coming year now. Philippians 2, 3 to 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, I want to take a few minutes, first of all, I want you to think with me about prioritizing people. And there's an old saying, and that is that you can't see the forest for the trees. I'm sure many of you have heard that expression before. And what that expression literally means is it's someone who is too involved in the problem to look at the situation as a whole. And I was thinking that this is what happens to us as believers. We're involved in the Great Commission. We know what our mission is as well. We understand it's the propagating of the gospel. It's evangelizing. It's uh, teaching or making disciples. It's uh, advancing the kingdom of God. But sometimes as we are caught up in that, we're busy with that, we're preoccupied with that, uh, what can happen to us is that we can miss sometimes the reality. And the reality is, which is ironic, is we can be no longer prioritizing other people. We become busy with family. We become busy with our friends, Christian friends. We become busy with other people in the congregation, other Christian people, perhaps other Christian people from other Christian churches, other Christian ministries, walks of life, but not busy about the lost. That we can't see the forest for the trees because it's so much easier to be around our comfortable group of relationships and this is the trap of for every single one of us that is we're in a good place. We, we're part of a good congregation. You may be here today from a different church and you belong to a very good congregation. You have great friends, relationships in that congregation. But the trap is sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. Is that while we're involved and we're being the church and we're being the kingdom of God, we forget about other people, and primarily the people who don't know Jesus. See, any church will decline when the unsaved lose their importance. Because this is what we have to constantly come back to. It's the lost. It's the troubled. 
It's the disturbed, it's the needy lives of people that are so critical. And for many believers, church life just becomes a self-serving source of entertainment. It's our group of friends, it's who we spend our time with, it's who we plan things with, it's who we hang out with, it's who we connect with. And these things in themselves, they're not evil, they're not wrong. But personal convenience, I want to tell you, the priority and not people in desperation. In other words, we start to live our lives in a way that we're comfortable and we enjoy it and it's rewarding, but we can forget about the fact that there are desperate, desperate people out there. Keith Green was a very radical Christian, I think around the 70s when he got born again. This is back around the times of the hippie movement and free love and he was powerfully converted. He was a piano player and a singer. And he wrote these incredibly convicting Christian songs. He was tragically killed, lost his life still as a very young man, but he was very, very confronting to the church world wrote these convicting songs. And I want to read you just, just the, the lyrics to one of those songs. But he said, I find it hard to turn away a billion starving people. But what can one do? I've heard you say, you can't save someone's life. I want to save a life today. I want to get someone close with my father. Feed them the bread of life today. I want to help them get stronger, help them last longer, and give them a chance to see Jesus. I find it hard to just ignore the murdered, unborn children. Yes, times have changed, but still God warns, you shall not take a life. I want to save a life today. I want to keep one alive for my father who will avenge the blood. Of weak and helpless ones someday whose lives are spilled out like water, lambs in the slaughter, and each one is handmade by Jesus. I find it hard to turn away a billion starving people a billion starving people. A whole year has gone by. Some Christians did not bring a single soul to Jesus. That, that Think about that. That is sobering. A whole entire year. Yes, we prayed. Yes, we worshipped. Yes, we gave. Yes, we tithed. Yes, we pledged. Yes, uh, we fellowship. We did many things. But did we bring a single soul to Jesus? Some Christians didn't bring a single sinner to his church. 365 days, 12 months. Didn't bring one of those starving part of the billion that Keith Green sang about. Some Christians didn't build a new friendship with a sinner. Matthew 5.13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The question is, is the church world really focused on the badly broken lives of the unsaved? We have so many Pentecostal churches in Brisbane, us being one of them. But what are they doing for the broken lives? Are they reaching? 
Because I'm sure that you're like me. Sometimes I get incensed by the things that I disagree with, the the transgender, the transvestites, uh, the homosexual marriage, the list goes on and on. But, you know, uh, as we're often in our righteous indignation getting upset by these things, uh, then I have to ask myself, uh, but what about the people that are being destroyed by this mess? Uh, Are we actually reaching them? And that's why in 2023, people have to be our project. Here is the text, verse 4, when Paul wrote, he said, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests. One of the things that you and I don't have a problem with is our own interests. We're very good at that. Managing the bank accounts and having the budget and planning the holidays and getting the kids in school and uh, paying the university fees and getting the driver's licenses and planting some more pot plants and flowers in the garden, uh, taking the dog for a walk, uh, feeding the budgie. The uh, uh, list goes on. I'm just like you. Listen, we're very, very good at taking care of our own interests, aren't we? But the Scripture says, look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of of others. So I want you to think with me about the cause of reluctance. I never want to stop being real. And I'm sure that in my preaching I am most of the time very real. But I want us to think about the cause of reluctance. And I think there's probably one thing, there's many, but there's one thing to why we can be reluctant in reaching out to broken people. And that is our own hurt. It's the pain of the past inflicted upon us by people. And we underestimate the impact of becoming damaged goods. We feel like factory seconds. Or have you ever felt like you should be in the reject shop? Because of how people have treated you. Because this is why we can become cynical. This is why we become reluctant. I was reading about this couple, the Lovell family, that have lost Emma, the wife and mother. And what caught my attention was a couple of words because the way the media, one particular media wrote about this, it said it's left the family traumatised and shattered. And the moment that I read that, I thought to myself, you know, there's many, many reasons why we can shy away from people, but it's the pain of some of the past encounters that cripple us the most. When we've invested in people, And what happens is the disappointment and the discouragement, it demotivates us. You work with someone who's got a broken marriage or you work with a drug addict or you work with somebody that's been immoral and they fall back into the immorality repeatedly or you work with somebody maybe even that has served God and then they haven't served God or the list is endless. But what can happen to us, like the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, when we start off innocently, we work with people. I know when I was originally born again and was going to go into the ministry and be a preacher and uh, give myself to this, uh, I I can honestly tell you, I didn't really anticipate the kind of pain that people were going to cause me. 
that out of compassion, out of care, out of really loving people, uh, out of seeing what my lone life had been and Jesus uh, has emancipated me for that, set me free from the drugs, set me free from the immorality and the cigarettes and the swearing and all the things that you were living. Uh, I was so thrilled about being saved and I just wanted other people to have what I had. But I didn't anticipate what was going to happen when I began to work with some of those people. And that's why the verse is, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We can hope for people, we can care about people, we get excited. That same verse, though, in another translation, it says, not getting what you want can break your heart. The message says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. It's the traumatization that you've opened your heart to someone, you've loved on somebody, you've opened your home to somebody, you've worked with them, you've, you've taught Bible study, you've fasted for them, you've prayed for them every day, you've picked them up, you've dropped them off, you've visited them, you've sent text messages, you've phoned, you've been available every time they wanted you to be available, but then something happens and these people turn on you, they hurt you, it leaves you traumatised. And this is the elephant I believe in the room, that we've all been gutted by the cruelty and the selfish treatment of people. That with purity of heart and innocence, we gave ourselves to it. But they turned on us. And so then it's the once bitten, twice shy. Psalm 41.9 says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. This is someone that we loved. It is someone we work with. It's someone that we cared for. It's something, somebody that we invested in, we gave ourselves to, and they break our hearts. And our hearts become sick because what we'd hoped for that person didn't materialize. And let me tell you, the older you get, the more difficult it is to not become cynical and check out. How many times have you said out of those words yourself, I'll never do that to myself again. I'll never put myself in that position again. I'll never let someone do that to me again. If you haven't out of those words, you've been living about 10 minutes or you've never reached out to someone in your entire life. But let's change gears in the vehicle. Because even although that's happened, the divine directive doesn't change. And here's where we need to introduce the second greatest commandment of all. The greatest commandment on the first day of the first service of the first Sunday of 2023 is to love the Lord your God with your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength. That is the number one commandment. Number two stands next to it. Love your neighbour. See, it doesn't matter how much we've been hurt or what's happened. The divine directive still stands. It hasn't changed. And if we are going to love God, we have to love people. We have to love our neighbour. Romans 15, 2 to 3 says, Let each of us please his neighbour for his good. 
leading to edification, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. One of the things that we have to learn to do is we must train ourselves into strength again. See, we all can become weak when we've been hurt or ripped off by people. We can all begin to feel weary uh, and worn out uh, and like, uh, you know what, I can't go on. I don't want to do this any longer. I feel beaten down. I feel worn out. I feel uh, uh, ruined by what's happened. Uh, But one of the things we've got to do is we've got to train ourselves, just like an athlete does, uh, back into fitness and into strength again, being ready again to love and invest in new people. Now, I read Romans 15, 2 to 3. Let me read it again, but then I'm going to go back to the verse prior to it. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Listen to the verse just before it, though, verse 1 of Romans 15. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. See, we've got to train ourselves into strength again. We've got to say, you know what, there's a reluctance there because this person did this to me, that went down, that happened, these people hurt, these people did this, these people. Listen, you and I have got to get past that. We've got to go back into training and say, no, I can't stay at that place. But what I have to do is I have to get strength again so that I can bear the scruples of others who are weak, not to please myself. The word strong in that verse in Romans 15.1, in Greek it means mighty or powerful. Another translation says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. What that means is we are called to bear other people's burdens. The people of our city, the people who you know, whose lives are being ripped apart, the people whose marriages are being destroyed, the people whose children are, are being wiped out, uh, going to suicide, uh, the people uh, uh, whose children are going to prison. Listen, we're not to give up on these people. Uh, they need to be our project. We're to say, no, uh, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to get strong again. Uh, and I'm going to be able to begin to help people uh, who've got weakness uh, and who need their help uh, because that's what Jesus did. He bared other people's burdens. This is exactly who Jesus is, Philippians. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearances of men. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In other words, he put himself out for you and I. He put himself out for people. He bared other people's burdens, but you can only do that, listen, if you involve yourself with people. You've got to make that decision. You're going to cross the line. That same verse, Romans 15, one of the message, it says, strength is for service, not status. I want to tell you, one of the problems in Christianity today is the amount of people that are gripped by ambition, position, and status. 
all worried about their reputation, all worried about what everybody thinks of them, all worried about the image that they cast and project instead of serving, becoming like Jesus, being willing to be whipped, being willing to be stabbed, being willing uh, to be speared in the side, being willing uh, to have thorns rammed uh, into the head uh, that it would bleed so profusely. Listen, uh, this is what we're called to do. This is the project of the Christian church. Uh, It's about people uh, and the strength is for service. Uh, It is not for status. Uh, And that is why as a congregation, we have a responsibility to push ahead and offer ourselves again for people. I want to tell you, 2023, we better, we better be netting people. We better be reaching people. We better be touching the unsaved. We better be taking this wonderful thing we have as a church and putting it on offer to other people. Because every one of you sitting here today, you know somebody, you live in the street near somebody, you work with somebody whose life is being torn apart. You know, when a dog dies... The best solution is a puppy. What do I mean by that? You've worked with someone, they betrayed you, they hurt you, they turned on you, broke your heart. Best thing's a spiritual puppy. Go and reach another drug addict, go and reach another drunk. Go and reach out to another marriage in trouble. Go and reach another person who's struggling with the, with the mental the torment in their minds. Go and reach another person who's financially destitute and start to love on them. I want to tell you it heals up the pain of the one that died. Paul had many hurtful experiences at the hands of people. He suffered betrayal. He suffered rejection. They slandered him. He was misrepresented. They beat him physically. But he'd worked out what I'm preaching this morning. That's why I'm preaching his words. And Philippians 1 verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, that he realized that, you know what, I've been through stuff and yes, it's hurt, but I'm going to get strong again and I'm going to begin to love on other people and I'm going to begin to extend myself to others. I want you to think with me then as I bring this down about being united as a team. Because our quest as a church must be to build an environment of care and compassion. We've got to build a culture around ourselves as a church that we prioritise people. Listen again to the text. It says, let each esteem others better than himself. Another translation says, each counting others better than himself. Another one says, but in humility, considering others as more important than yourselves. But listen, the word that we can skip over too readily because the others are like in fluorescent light is the word each. It doesn't just say let some of the Christians esteem others better than himself. It says each. The challenge here is every single one of us. That all of us at varying intervals have to participate and contribute in denying ourselves. In other words, consciously, we have to stop putting ourselves first. Now, putting yourself first is not difficult. It's the easiest thing in the world. Correct? (laughs) 
We all think about what we want to eat, when we want to sleep, when we want to bath, where we want to go, what we're going to wear, what we're going to spend the money on. You and I don't have a trouble with self. That's why I opened about speaking about the pervading selfishness that's in our society. But what we have to do is say, no, no, I don't have a problem with myself here. I'm very good at looking after myself. I have to consciously, though, train again myself to put other people as a priority. And I believe there's way too many unemployed, disengaged disciples people who serve themselves. It's such a subtle deception. You can do so and not even realize it. That's why this text is so convicting. It says, esteem others better than yourself. Another one, regard others as more important than yourselves. Another translation, honor others more than yourselves. We've got to come to that place of saying, Lord, I know I'm selfish. I know the society I'm living here in first world Brisbane, Australia is selfish, but I've got to heed your word. I'm not going to allow that selfishness, that pervading selfishness, to dominate how I'm going to live my life and how I'm going to see people. But I'm going to confront that within myself. I'm going to push beyond this and I'm going to heed the word of God and I'm going to make other people the priority. See, I believe that this year we've got to become sublime in working with people. And I'm going to probably do some Sunday school series on this and different things because I realize how much being, being skilled with people is just so critical now. Because prioritizing people that God brings, we have to be able to do it however, whenever and whatever it takes. We've got to develop skills with people. But the reason why I believe that is so important today more than ever is because people are more messed up than they ever were. There was a time once you could just make a statement to somebody, what you said was correct, it's common sense, it's logical, 95% of the people believe you, they agree with you. You can just say it and the recipient of what you said, they got to hear it. Good, we made our point. <laughs> Let me tell you, the world is not like that now. Now you've got to make a statement, something common sense, something logical, something practical, something biblical. Probably 80, 90% of the society disagree with you. How dare you say that? How could you? How could you even think that? Who knows what I'm talking about? Listen, people are messed up. The world is messed up, but I want to tell you, church, we've got to forge people skills then. That means skills with people. We have to get smarter at this. We've got to get better at this. And that's why I believe as well we become more and more reluctant because people are more difficult now to work with than they've ever been because of the insanity that's been put in their heads. And it's deliberate. We know the government is deliberate. We know that the universities are deliberate. We know that what they're teaching in state schools, much of this, it is deliberate. So now when you try and work with someone, it is profoundly complex. It's not as easy as you could just say something once in black and white. It was crystal clear. You could say it. I'm a black and white person. Many of you know that. But listen, it's not that simple now. You've got to still think black and white. You've still got to believe the word of God black and white. But we have to become sublime in our ability to communicate and to work 
with those broken, hurting people. Reaching out and caring for them is going to have to be a collective responsibility. That in 2023, that we're united as a team, that we're going to love and serve people. We've got to become so good at this. That is why anyone who steps through the doors of our church, uh, listen, we, we, don't have, we need to be immediately on deck, ready to be the friend, ready to reach out, ready to show kindness, ready to engage, not just caught up in our circle of relationships, the same old, same old. We have to be ready when somebody responds to an altar call to get born again, that we take ownership of that responsibility for them. We would pray for them. We would connect with them. We'll begin to work with them. We'll begin to visit with them. We would begin to invite them into our homes. We've got to become sublime at relationships. And this has to be something that the whole body's involved in. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, uh, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That means in winning people, it means in following up people, in discipling people. I've mentioned it's having people in your home, but all of us are going to have to buy in and shoulder the load so that people with all of their complexities and problems are going to have every chance that they can come to know Jesus and serve him and lay down their lives and love him with their whole heart and discover in him what you've already discovered in him for yourself but we cannot just sit back we cannot just wait around we cannot just do the same thing the same way but we have to be willing in 2023 to make people our project and say lord help us as a congregation these are the last days the preachings along these lines shortly as well but i want to tell you things are moving rapidly in this world they're moving so fast politically and precious souls are caught up. They're hanging in the balance. And there's not a single person here. I can tell you, you work with someone, you live near with someone, you perhaps play sport with someone, you might be a club of some kind, an interest you've got. There's someone in your circle of relationships. I want to tell you, they are hurting. They are terribly needy. They are desperate. But you have to say, Lord, I'm going to esteem them more highly than myself. I'm going to make them... A project. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Each person. Heads about, eyes are closed.